You know, sometimes I love a good philosophical discussion or debate. You know, I love talking theology with people, but also sometimes I love to just get down to business. You know, just tell me what I should do. I want to talk practically, get into action. And that's a word that I think of when I think of James. He is a man of action. And I think a lot of times if I could describe um, James, I think he would be the kind of guy that would say talk is cheap. I mean, he's, he is the guy that just gets right, right down to it. And that's kind of what I saw as well in the passage that we looked at last week. You know, we, we talked about, look, we, he, he's just straightforward about it. You know, why are you listening to what God says, but not doing what God says? We got to obey. You know, and then, and then starting with verse 26 and then uh, going through a lot of the, most of the rest of the book, it's all very practical, straight down, you know, just basically, I, I guess we'd call it just straight up morality. He's talking about right and wrong, and it's stuff that we have to ask ourselves, will we obey it? All right, so let's just jump right into it. We're going to do verses 26 and 27 this week of chapter one. It says, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person is, uh, person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So is your faith Real in the sense that when I hear God, I believe him, and I don't just hear it, but I do it. I'm more than a hearer, I'm a doer. And he gives us three quick proofs of that, three areas of our lives. And I'm going to summarize them this way. Number one, your tongue is under control. Number two, you care for the vulnerable. And number three, you avoid sin. So let's take those one at a time. First of all, your tongue is under control. He says in verse 26, to bridle your tongue. You know, a bridle is what you put into a horse's mouth. And here's this small piece of metal that goes into this powerful, large animal that allows you to control this big animal back and forth. And we're going to see later in James in the book of, uh, excuse me, the chapter three, that he has a lot to talk and say about our tongue. And so here's just a quick statement of, is your tongue under control? This powerful, powerful instrument, is it being used for good or is it being used for evil? Is your tongue under control? What would your wife say or husband say? What would your kids say? Do you build with grace what you say or do you tear down? And James is saying, you worship, you give, you fast, you pray. All of those religious activities are not worth anything if your tongue is not under control. And then secondly, caring for the vulnerable. And James says that this is a real religion that visits widows and orphans in their, their, their distress. And that's not just, you know, like a pop-in. I'm just going to pop-in and say hi. It means that we care for them. And this, I think, is a faith issue. Um, listen to what, what, what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 6. He says, in, uh, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. And those are religious actions, religious activities. But only faith working through 
love. Now, that's the Apostle Paul saying what James famously says in, in later in chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. A real faith will work itself out in love. And that's shown through caring for the vulnerable. And I, I think uh, Jesus says a very similar thing in Matthew 25. Uh, this is a famous passage that you've heard before, but Matthew 25, verse 31. Uh, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited with me. Same word I was, as in James. I was in prison, and you came to me. Same idea. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, or give you drink? And then, and when he did, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it, did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now in James, he's in particular calling out orphans and widows. Um, but in my opinion, that he, he is talking about, you know, they're, they're representative of people in need. Now, if, if, you've, if God's brought widows and orphans into your life, then, you know, how can you meet their needs? How can you visit them in your affliction? But we need to be asking ourselves the, the, the strength and power that God's given us. How are we using that to help for and care for those who are in need? So, again, James is saying you worship, you give, you fast, you pray. But if you're not caring for the vulnerable, then that is a worthless religion. And then finally, you know, a lot of people can quote that, that verse 27. You're talking about, you know, the pure and undefiled uh, religion is this, caring for, for and visiting uh, orphans and widows. Uh, but that's not the full statement because he goes on to say, and to keep oneself stained from the world. And I think that simply means that I am avoiding sin. It you know, does not mean that I'm avoiding sinners or avoiding the world. And I think Jesus made that distinction very, very well. He said we are to be in the world, but not of it. And I think another way to say it would be, um, you know, is my life influencing the world or is the world influencing me? Now, we are far from perfect. Obviously, we still sin and we fall into the uh, desires and hearts. We've been talking a lot about that. And of course, we need to be reminded of the good news that is expressed in 1 John 1, 9, where you know, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But, but I think that Jesus just really beautifully uh, illustrates this idea in the upper room discourse you know, where He's interacting with His disciples the night before His betrayal. Uh, John chapter 13, I'll see, we're going to start at verse 3. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands 
and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And so he's, Jesus is illustrating for them this idea that because of your faith in me, you have been washed. Your whole body has been washed. But just like in those days, you know, they went outside where all the roads were, you know, just dirt. And so even if you were clean in your upper body, just spending a little bit of time outside, your feet would be very dirty. And so they had these servants that would wash the wealthy people's feet as they entered into homes. And Jesus is humbling himself. He's showing them what real incredible servanthood, the, the creator, the king of the universe is actually going to do this most basic job. But he's also illustrating to them how they need to be cleansed from the ongoing sin that we're going to participate in our life. We don't, we don't undo the whole cleansing, but that's again that idea in 1 John 1, 9, that, that we do need to be cleansed from, and ask for forgiveness and turn from uh, the sin that's in our lives. And He is faithful and just and will cleanse us. And, and so to avoid sin is saying, look, I don't even want to get dirty with that. And I want to avoid even stepping into that sin, which will make my feet dirty. Which, which, you know, I don't want to have that as a part of who I am. I need to be avoiding it and working away from it. And he goes on to say you know, that he's illustrating for this for something. He's like, and he gives them as an example of something that they should do for one another. And so one thing that I would just encourage you guys in and, and challenge you in is to ask, okay, what particular sin or desire in your heart is God maybe exposing to you that he's bringing a real conviction to? I encourage you not only to confess that to God, but confess that to another person in our church. Uh, you know, somebody that you trust, somebody that you're walking with, somebody that's in an intentional relationship with you. And I think that Jesus is illustrating there that this is some, a way that we serve and love one another. So again, we need to be not just hearers, but doers of the word. My tongue has to be bridled, under control. Again, talk to someone that's close to you. Ask them straight up, is my tongue under control? Number two, caring for the vulnerable. You know, at the heart of the gospel, the heart of the gospel is the strong sacrificing for the weak. God has blessed you. God has given to you. God has made you strong in ways so that you can help and love people that are around you. And then third, we should be avoiding sin. More and more of my life is in submission to and following Jesus. If those things are true in my life, that is a real and powerful faith. That's not a worthless religion. That is a powerful religion. And so let this passage that he's given us dig into your heart. 
talk to one another about it and let's grow together.